everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Improv FAQ at length. This is a series of longer conversations about improv topics that have lots of questions surrounding them. I'm James Quesada. <laughs> and I'm Bob Wick. That one got now, me. Watch you got me. Bob Wick. Yeah. Um, got a host and, uh, watch party. We have a very special guest with us, our good friend, Oliver Giorgio. Welcome, Oliver. Yay. Hello. Hello. I hey. dropped my phone. Um, so, Oliver, you're uh, a friend of ours that, uh, like many people that we've talked to on the show, uh, we met through Detroit Improv Festival. Uh, you're, you're originally from Windsor and are out in L.A. now. Um, and uh, just one of my favorite people to hang out with, one of our, uh, again, great talks of improv um and you also study you're doing idiot work out there right uh yeah i mean uh everything's kind of been on hold because of the uh, uh the whole shutdown and all that but right. um yeah it uh, the idiot work there uh honestly it's uh when i was in toronto i i i would prefer to not work with anyone who hadn't done improv and uh and now out in uh, la i prefer to work i uh I prefer to work with people who've done uh, idiot or clown. <laughs> it's kind of like a, that like step up in terms of like, just being fully aware of what you're doing. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we would love to do at some point a, um, a whole episode just on idiot work, but the, the, right. and, and really, I, I mean, I could talk for days on clown too, but uh, for this episode, we're going to start with the topic of truth, um, which I think is a great topic. Uh, because to me, you know, I think most improvisers when, when they hear truth as a topic would kind of hearken to truth and comedy. Um, the, one of the original handbooks of improv from, uh, the IO, um, and the, the, the mantra there is, is that the being truthful to a scene or to the reality of a scene is going to end up being funnier than trying to force it to be funny. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, it's got a, it's got a nice root in sort of like the early development of modern improv, but also what I find really fascinating about the topic is how it changes because like, once you get really good at, at being truthful or just like acting, there still is the question of like, sometimes it isn't funny and it's still truthful. And so the question is like, how much do you allow for that? Like what kind of theater do you want to be doing and 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 is the truth truth enough to just meet your goals um in improv um and so I, I would love to talk about all of it but i want to throw it to you now oliver for like what do you have in mind when uh you bring up the topic of truth uh well before i get into that just because i don't want to forget this line of thought um what you were saying about is the truth enough uh like if it's the truth of the scene uh but I feel like asking if it's enough is like uh, giving a yes, but without an and. Um, so it's like, yeah, okay, there's the truth. But now, how are you going to make that entertaining? Now, like, what's the most entertaining, what's the uh, most uh, emotionally riveting choice that you can make with that truth um, in order to make this scene watchable? Uh, yeah, I mean... The truth. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, <laughs> enough unless you do something with it. Yeah, you got to make use. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, Good. So, with uh, in terms of how I think of truth, though, 
there's a there's so many there's so many levels of truth. It's uh, <laughs> there's like what the uh, world accepts as truth. There's uh, there's even within reality there are different truths now, uh, which makes uh, <laughs> uh, improv that right? much more difficult because um, they're basically using uh, uh, improv tactics to make people believe things in real life, which is dangerous. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like, oh, well, I said it before anybody denied it, so it must be true, and they're the assholes, you know. <laughs> but um, but then there's, then there's truth within the room. Like, what does the audience know? Uh, that you that everyone else should know but maybe you're not aware of it yet because you're not watching from the outside there's truth within the scene it's like what has been established um what is you know what is your honest reaction to this but then also how would your character react to that um and then there's being just true to yourself uh it's like what do you actually want to uh to put out there uh like what's the is there a, a a bent to your characters or your scenes or your shows, uh, or are you just kind of going with the flow and doing what's up? So yeah, there's a lot of levels of truth, and so that's why it becomes a little bit uh, fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Anything? Well, okay. So let's talk about truth, truth, your own truth, because it's it's probably ultimately the most useful kind of truth for an improviser to, to get in touch with or to practice like what what rings true for you um and then i would love to talk about how different audiences or perceptions of reality in the world are affected when you start performing and it's like well you know the the, the different types of truths that do or don't match up with each other but um starting starting with personal truth like how do you get someone started who's like being I, I don't know, like like students who are either disingenuous or like, how, how do you kind of like um, paint a picture of, of the difference between like be finding your own truth and um, I don't know, feel, feeling not that way. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you, um, even, how do you even point it out to somebody? Right. I, I feel like in terms of students and people just beginning, uh, like finding one's truth, that's finding that's finding your artistic self. That's finding you as an artist. And that takes a lot of time. <laughs> so you're not going to teach somebody that in a beginner course. You're not going to teach somebody that in a, even in a, a whole core track. That's something that comes uh, with time. Um, but in order to point it out to them in the moment, um, my favorite method of working is, uh, is viewpoints. Uh, and I only, and before you bring up any anything from the book, uh, I only really understand it as it was taught to me and as I have developed it uh, in my own self. So, okay. um, but the way that I was taught was from David Rosowski, who would just kind of stop a scene. And I, I get pissed off at this because I, I hated being like brought out of a scene to then be shoved back into it and expect to be right where I was at. Um, but he would stop a scene and say, bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, you're you you thought about it. You you were going somewhere. I saw your body go somewhere else, but then you stopped yourself and you decided to do this because you thought it would be a better choice. Uh, and it was disingenuous. And he would point it right out. And so I honestly I do that. I'm a little bit more um, 
nice, I guess, <laughs> with my students. Uh, he's yeah. a very aggressive teacher, a wonderful teacher, but aggressive teacher. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I point, I stop them, and I say, I saw you honestly wanting to do something, uh, or how do you feel about that? I saw you wanting to go somewhere else. Did you feel that? Do you hear? It? And they either say yes if they're aware of it, or no. And if they say no, and they they genuinely didn't have any other impulse, um, I let them go on with the scene, but. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of, uh, in terms of figuring out each individual moment, uh, and the impulse that you have, uh, and whether or not you're ignoring it. Uh, I feel like in terms of the most basic sense, that's kind of like how you are true to yourself, letting the, that physical gut reaction guide, which emotion you're at, like where you're at emotionally guide, what comes out of your mouth as opposed to the other way around. Um, yeah, it's I, I like that you ask. <clears throat> and I imagine that sometimes people, even if they're like, even if they disagree with you, right. there's physical tells and, and you get pretty good at at, at um, recognizing when people are hesitating or, or balking at their own instincts. Um, and even when you. There's no guarantee that you're right, though, you're not inside that person's head. But but when yeah. you stop them and you're like, did you feel it or not? I think that's a great opportunity for them to, to start building their own gauge for that same thing. Um, and, and you know, I, I imagine there are still people who feel that they did hesitate or balk or censor themselves or whatever it is, but still would tell you, no, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Right. Because it might still just be a little vulnerable or sensitive or ego or whatever. And that's OK, too. But you, but they at least they at least can can get the moment to uh process what what they were just feeling and maybe consider like well why did it look like i was hesitating to oliver or to, or to someone on the outside yeah yeah uh because i mean you're not going to teach anyone anything by telling them uh what they did wrong <laughs> uh you're you know you people ingrain uh ideas and lessons by how they like that aha moment uh it's why qanon works so well <laughs> because yeah. they just tell them to do the research and then uh, they get that own their own aha moment then they're like now i'm the smart one yeah um <laughs> but yeah it, yeah, just, yeah it's just teaching yeah <laughs> for sure yeah right. what, what about for you bob have, have you have you have you toyed around with like i i I guess part of the reason I bring it up is because it's difficult. Right. I want to be that person. The people who who can like point to the moment and be so spot on every time that that like bullshit, you know, results. Yeah. I think it is. That like takes, that or, takes or, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someone like Joe Bill or, or Susan Messing. But but like, right. I don't know. Like, Bob, have you have you had experience with like trying to be that person who's pointing to it and like how effective it is? Well, I, I, I do like that style of. Um of coaching or teaching where you do stop the scene for this reason, because I've had so many scenes myself where after it was done, I've, I completely forgot. So trying to recall a moment after the scene, like, Hey, right there, when you made that decision, where were you? What were you, especially with the newer student who is just trying to make the best choice, you know, as soon as possible. So I, I do like stopping scenes because that's, you know, the, and it's just my feelings, my, my taste. Um, you know, it's not on stage. It's it, this is what the room is built for to try stuff and and to stop and go and and play with it and and learn from it. 
and, and I think, I, I think D'Angelo was the first teacher I had who, who did that to me. And I, I you know, I, I do it to my students. And I do like that, that conversation of when you made this choice, where was your head at? Or, you know, what were you doing as an artist? What is this true to your character? Let's talk about your character. Let's break down your character really quick. What, what kind of, you know, what's your character's want? Is it true that you're, to its want that you're making this decision, you know, all the little, you know, nuances you, you, you hope to bring to a character when you create one. So, you know, maybe, maybe that sticks, maybe that gives them the aha moment, or maybe that annoys them. Uh, I think it really depends on the student, (laughs) Um, but I've had a lot of, you know, I have a lot of good feedback and I've, I've had people get annoyed with it. So I, I tend to try the other way. Like let's talk about at the end of the scene. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like there, there are students who, who I, I, and I can't be like, I'm not a psychologist. I can't tell you or, or psychic. I can't tell you what you were thinking in that moment, but I can tell that I feel like I can tell that they know that they wanted to make another choice, but for, for whatever reason decided to go another way. And they just didn't want to talk about it at that moment, you know? Yeah. And that, and it, and, that might be part of the the truth thing too. Is is yeah. that like how do you your, your learning style right might might yeah. even be part of your truth, your voice, your identity. And well, I mean, part of this. Wanting, oh, sorry. Them not oh, wanting no, go. to go that. <laughs> them not wanting to go that other way. Um, yeah. That could very much be uh, be like a very personal thing. It could be a, a yeah. PTSD. Thing. It could be any of that. And it's like this scene was going in a way that they personally as a person were not comfortable with. And so, you know, there's there's that difference. Uh, there's that you as a teacher reading the room and also reading the truth that is presented to you by somebody uh, not wanting to go there. Uh, and right. so now you have to deal with it and be the person who can deal with the truth better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, I, th- I think part of the job, though, is just to make them comfortable with being vulnerable enough to say their truth. Because I think we're so, yeah, we're so guarded as humans that when someone tells you it's okay to play, you sometimes you need, I mean, sometimes you need someone to tell you it's okay to play or, or okay to be yourself. It's okay. Continue, you know, and we can't, we can't always do that for ourselves. So if we, externally, if I can do that for someone, that's amazing. That's, and I, I think that's part of the job. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> So this might be a little off from the the truth thing, but just <clears throat> now it's got me thinking that uh, that uh, like you also need to like people respond differently to being um, called out in kind of like uh, ag- the aggressive Rizowski style versus like making making um, your bullshit not that big of a deal, right? Where you're like uh, like it's okay, <laughs> yeah, you you. Uh, did this but then you backtracked it like you just had a moment where you um you know worked against your own instincts like that's fine you know some people would rather have it soften that way um but and other people would would rather have it have it be like don't do that like you your first choice best choice don't ever let me see you do that again you know what i mean like it's just it's interesting what people would prefer uh how how they would they would like that to be treated in order for it to to go away or to be able to get out of their own way. Yeah. Uh, 
I initially was like, because uh, Bob was saying that some of his students got annoyed by that. Uh, I initially, like I, if, if anybody in the first five years of my doing improv stopped me in the middle of an improv scene, I would be livid. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. Like, like if a teacher or a coach did it? Yeah, because it's like, I'm just, because I was like, relying on just kind of being there and not like I didn't have this this ostrich brain I didn't have this separation of the actor and the character I was yeah. just getting lost in it like an actor you know because that's where I, that's my background I'm, uh, and so when it would be gone I wouldn't I don't I didn't have the tools to get right back into it wow. I would that flow would be gone and I I I would just be grat is like now get back into it. it's like I don't, I don't feel I don't know what and I would like force myself sometimes, or I'd just say that I had to sit down and, you know, it's an anxiety response um, to that where I just kind of like fight or flight and I'd either sit down or push through it. But, um, but after with the, the whole viewpoints thing and like kind of, cause you're working with energy in the room and how to create tension and how to break it and how to, how to like build it in and using your, positions and just how you're looking at someone and everything to create that tension. And so now it's so it's much easier for me to, especially when there's an audience there to like break out, you know, confront the audience, and then get right back into it and get that tension right back. Right. Now that I know what I'm doing. And so I'm not, I'm okay with doing it to my students because I know that it's a muscle that they eventually should learn to, <laughs> to have. Yeah. yeah. Um, before I didn't understand that it was a muscle that somebody could have. So no, I'm very much with you. Um, there's something like a lot of times when I stop a scene and I'm kind of switching subjects because when it, and I know I said this to D'Angelo when he used to do it to me, like I'm getting there and now I can't stand it when, when a student says that, Oh, I was, I was, I was getting there. Like, no, just do the thing. Stop talking about (laughs) an event in the future. Like, Oh man, when we rob this bank, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, man. When we rob this bank. Oh, I can't wait to rob the bank. Freeze. Could you, could you please go rob the bank? Oh, we're getting there. Like just. That annoy yourself. Uh, uh, things about yourself that annoys you is stuff that like annoys me. So it's just yeah. like, I feel you, man. And that's the thing is like, they're talking about robbing a bank. Uh, and this is just an improv thing of mine. I'd rather not see a scene where somebody actually robs a bank. I'd rather see the argument that happens beforehand. So as opposed to everyone getting pumped up about robbing a bank, it's like, great. But where's the accusation of the mole? You know, it's like, don't, don't get to robbing the bank get to that you know get to the but yeah but i understand it's like get to the action get to the get to something active that you can act (laughs) accusation is an act yeah 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 okay heather Heather made a comment that i i want to make sure that we uh uh first of all hi heather hi heather um uh but okay before we do i i i uh this this the difference between what you guys are talking about of, of like the difference between like just jump to the action versus like um i'd rather see it be about the interpersonal um stakes between the the characters in the scene and 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 all that like it it just brings to mind for me like um bob you mentioned tastes um mm-hmm. 
and uh also oliver you know you you were talking about like finding your voice your own style um and i guess i'm wondering like what you guys think about uh people's arc in finding that like early on one of the things that that comes to mind for like truth and and students learning curves is like when you're kind of being like wacky uh, or like putting too much on like trying too hard or whatever it is and then a coach or a teacher will be like, do less or, or play close to self, like learn to play close to self first. And then, um, and then you can kind of like get more and more broad. Um, but like, I, I also have to imagine for, uh, some people that like your ultimate, uh, style and voice is going to be a more wacky, broad performer. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'm wondering, like, does everybody have to have the same starting point in order to arrive uh wherever it is that they're gonna arrive for their voice or like do some people are some people just like inherently against the grain on on how most people uh, uh get trained in improv with, with that close to self approach does that make sense or like yeah <clears throat> i think i, think I yeah kind of about like like neutral mask and clown where it's like you kind of have to strip down everything and, and kind of start fresh um to, to and then and then rebuild as a performer, but I, I guess I'm just wondering if, if that, <clears throat> even though it would work for most people or seem like a sound theory and approach, do, do some people, are, are, are some people being held back by that, I guess? I think that it depends on the individual uh, performer, um, student, because if it's, I know people who have started off in improv playing very close to themselves, and not being able to break out of their own very uh, limited physical normality. And, and so they are uh, generally, in what I've seen kind of thing in the classes that I've been in, uh, they tend to be uh, pushed to do bigger characters or they tend to be pushed to break out of their physical comfort zone. Whereas the ones, uh, like myself, who started off doing only, only wacky characters and <laughs> bent over and was like, oh, this is an old man. Um, you know, I, I was asked multiple times to play closer to myself. And I think it started off like that, but then I saw other people do wacky things. So I was like, I want to do wacky things uh, or I want to be different. Because, um, yeah, when you are when you think about different characters, you your initial thought is, oh, I have to change my entire body entirely because that's the only thing that matters, at least in my mind. But I mean, yeah, to be able to pull them back to that, um, to their normal selves and bodies and just be able to speak with their own voice, it's a very helpful thing. But yeah, I think it depends on uh, the improviser. And I think any uh, any teacher would uh, kind of do that in individually, hopefully, depending on the class size, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Is it, is it is more it's more about being pushed outside your comfort zones and and uh learning to um just be more versatile than it is about what specifically that means for any given performer i think so yeah and al and also I, I also like obviously it depends on what the school is right because if you're doing a, a specific type of training you should be open to whatever that training demands regardless yeah. of if it's in your wheelhouse or not excuse me it would be funny if I just started choking up right there. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my <And> god <laughs> james really oliver i don't know if you know this about james but he really really cares about where people start and where they end it's it's <laughs> gets them every time yeah. it, might just, it might not be your story. everyone's got a <laughs> you know some of us start off as robots <laughs> others <laughs> yeah um, actually that, that that's actually a good uh segue to uh heather's comment from a bit back um our friend heather pointed out that improv is not therapy it's therapeutic um which may or may not be splitting hairs but i think that it, it was a great point is that like uh people can get themselves into a lot of trouble by tr using it as therapy um right. and uh on the topic of truth for me it's it's like how do you guys go about kind of drawing a line for students when you're like explore explore truth explore honesty and if people are, are bringing in things that are like too personal or too dark or trying to work through anything from like anger issues to like you know you don't want people like breaking down in, in tears and everything um you know like like how, how do you kind of like find that line between like you're you're being truthful and honest but you don't want it to be like too real <laughs> you know you don't want it to be a a literal therapy session um in class or on stage Ooh, good question uh <laughs> um i've run into it a couple times but but it, yeah. do it does come up where people are like literally trying to, to to be to work through things or or like role play through and and i'm like <laughs> keep keep some of it for real therapy this is not your place. Yeah. You know? I, I think it's kind of hard depending on what level the student is at, because I remember when I was in class, uh, there was like a group of gentlemen, like three guys who happened to be going through divorces at the same time. And divorce came up a lot during like, like there was a lot of divorce content during um, our, our class shows or, or, or even like, you know, during our scenes. And I think that was just what was on their mind. I can't tell. Some of them were were projecting. Um, some of them were just, hey, that's you know, that's all I've been thinking about for the last five days since I got served the papers. So this is all I can think about now. Uh, I think there's a line like as long as I don't know, as long as they're doing the work. I, I really don't. I think it's so like case by case. It's hard to give like a like a. A general answer for that yeah I, yeah I, I oliver do you have like a kind of like safe space line or like uh a, a way to frame what kind of like I, personal stuff where we are or not trying to bring into it uh i definitely have a safe space line at the the beginning of every class the first class uh just letting people know that it's uh this is a safe place to look stupid it's a safe place to experiment and safe place to uh to just fall into the work and not worry about looking dumb. But it's also, uh, everyone has to, everyone has to feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And, uh, and so this also needs to be a safe space uh, for like, no uh, racist over racism, sexism, all that other stuff. Um, and I let them know that right off the top. Uh, and I kind of check in, I always check in, uh, especially with the, the older white dudes kind of thing. Cause it's, <laughs> I don't know, it tends to come out. Yep. Uh, and, um, and so I also take that on a case by case basis within the scenes because, uh, the work that we're, uh, that I do in, in viewpoints and it's a very, it's a very 
you have to trust the people in the space in order for it to work. And uh, I've had a couple students where they just immediately uh, would go to like creepy dude or uh, kind of in a very kind of a aggressive scene. And you have to check in uh, with, you know, especially your female students kind of thing when oh, yeah. it's happening. If it's in a two person scene uh, and if they're comfortable and they're going along with it and they're calling them out, like if that truth is coming out and it's like going right back at it, it's like, great. And then I, ha I usually have to stop the dude and be like, hey, you were just told this by this person that has to affect you in some way. You can't just keep on playing this uh, unaffected creepy dude or this unaffected, um, you know, uh, aggressive person. Be affected by that. Let that change you. Um, but at the same time, not everyone is comfortable doing that. And I've I've had scenes where you just kind of you have this character, this this actor on stage doing this, and it's a wonderful character choice. But then eventually when you stop the scene and be like, wait, was something missed there? Like, was there, and uh, and the, the actor is still like this? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no, this is a real thing. Agree, so yeah. in which case, uh, <clears throat> we're going to, uh, we're gonna focus on how this person can be affected uh, as opposed to this person. Cause right now this person is very affected. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes down to that when you're on stage as well, realizing how you as a person and how you look to the audience because the audience doesn't know you. Yeah. The audience only knows what they see before them, the words that have already come out of your mouths to define what is happening, and uh, and the tension in the room, the tension that is created. So the audience doesn't know that you're a good guy. The audience doesn't know that you're, uh, you know, that you help people out. The audience doesn't know that you're a, you know, a, a, a feminist that you march with BLM. The audience knows none of that. So you need to treat them like that uh, yeah. and be aware of what they see. And yeah. uh, and that includes, it's like reading the tension, not only on stage, but in the room. It's like, I need to start being more affected because right now I'm driving attention that nobody is comfortable with except for myself. Yeah. 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 Man. No, I, I completely agree. I think I was thinking more of like the actor themselves, like, saying something getting too personal about their own you know their own shit and then bringing it on stage um and, and then the accidentally so getting affected yeah <laughs> and, and then having it affect them yeah yeah I, and i but i think that it's a good point the you know the the um, that there's physical safety and emotional safety and that uh, everyone has to feel that way and so so really it it is like um you know uh, if you're bringing in things that are that are too emotionally heavy, that are so high gravity that like it makes people feel uncomfortable about about playing, then that's problematic too for like the good of the group. Um, so that I think that's a good way to frame it is, is is that like you know we we can we can deal with with heavier and heavier stuff as we get more advanced and we can learn to find humor in it. Uh, but for right now, we might want to err on the side of of uh, keeping those heavier things emotionally um uh on 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 the shelf uh and make sure that we can feel a real difference between what's what's real and what is the world of play that we're in um because yeah wh whether it's like oh shit i think this person might be like really 
crying about this right now or if it's somebody who's like acting their ass off uh, about um being enraged and it's really scaring your partner like that right. has made it um uh harder or uh impossible for the, the person to uh feel safe playing because they're like i think this is real and i i can't i can't tell that this is uh theater anymore as an uh as a coach or an instructor have you ever had to deal with that kind of situation or anything like that yeah i mean i i i, I can't like, yeah you don't have to tell me about the exact time i wasn't like not anecdotally but like the times that it's come up one, one time and i i can't even really remember details about this but there was there was a guy who um was uh uh recommended to do improv because of his anger management um and uh that was that that was the time when I think it might have actually been more about it, like a jam or something. And uh, this was at Go, and we we had to kind of like have a couple talks about like, okay, you know, you you can't, uh, not a good idea to bring that real rage uh, in into things or whatever um, every time, and like learn to learn to be in touch with other emotions and all that. Other times, it's it's been more less less about like emotional heaviness and and more about like somebody um, somebody who when asked to uh be truthful or like honest like find the truth in the character in the scene and stuff then starts bringing in uh real information about themselves and it's not necessarily heavy but but they're, they're but they're again losing the ability to like build a fiction um in a truthful way and are confusing that with like using f facts about the real world um and themselves and then and then yeah. it's and then it just is like a reminder that like um truth truth in the scene doesn't have to match the reality of our real world it just has to line up in a way that rings true um if we are to believe that that uh one thing is true that the rest is consistent um in that way for, for somebody who's not used to like a student kind of thing who's not quite used to separating that actor and character like i said before uh that can get dangerous to to bring in, I love bringing in real shit, especially st stuff that I'm dealing with now, kind of thing, because I can separate it and I have no ego about it. So that's why I'm bringing it up in the first place. But for somebody to bring in real things that they're dealing with in real time um, and not be prepared for that, because as soon as the other person or the character criticizes that character, it becomes personal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then you're dealing with a personal fight now because you weren't yeah. prepared for it. And, you know? and your scene partner may or may not know it. <laughs> and that's rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Heather uh, chimed in with a, another great comment. Uh, just that um, playing yourself. Well, in Heather's words, playing yourself is bullshit. <laughs> and I agree. It's a it's a it's like a paradox. Um, and uh, Heather says everyone amps up their their own self. Which I do agree, and that's actually another like major wall that I would hit about using truth. Um, is is not just a kind of like uh, too heavy stuff or or mixing uh, reality with with um, uh, the fiction of, of the world, but also like um, when things are too boring or mundane. Like like I when I started to really focus on playing like straight character and close to self, I uh, uh, you know in agreeing with Heather here that that like there's something missing if if you are literally playing like your normal uh self you you still have to be a, a little electrified as, 
on stage, like to be engaging and compelling um, to some degree. Otherwise, you know, you, anything from like ending up not talking loud enough um, for, for a, a bit of a larger room to hear um, or just like not reacting enough, um, you, you still have, to, there's a little degree of, of uh, dialing it up that everybody has to do. Even if it's close to self, it, it's not necessarily pl literally playing yourself. Um, yeah. You're kind of I, amping it. I've, I've personally never heard the note uh, play yourself uh, unless it was like you being a guest uh, on something as opposed to actually playing in a scene. I've heard it more as play closer to yourself and it's usually directed at those people who just do big wacky choices. Um, so yeah, play yourself would be uh, not the greatest in terms of dramatic uh, <laughs> uh, entertainment uh, yeah. or intensity for sure. And people get it confused. I, th I think that the, the people, uh, even if they're even if even if the teacher is saying play closer to self, um, or like I, I just know that there's confusing language or, or instruction to be like, how would you really react in this situation? You know, and, and it's, and that's helpful to like use as a sort of guide, but if you really do it too well, you're, you're losing some of the theatrics or the drama of being a performer, you know, doing it for an audience. See, and I kind of avoid using that, that term. I, I usually go for play closer to who you think this character is. You know, if this character was a real life character rather than a caricature, because uh, that's usually what wacky characters like. I'm a cop. Oh, I got one bullet and, and two guns apparently. You know, like I <laughs> fun character. <Yeah>. Like, but <laughs> what grounds this? What makes it real? What you know? What's he like when he goes home to his son? What is that like? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's right. why teaching viewpoints is so much easier than teaching like just a regular improv class because then you get to deal with physical impulses and you don't have to worry about what they themselves think that they would do or they themselves think that a character would do because all they have to do is receive what was given to them and just let their body do whatever and then react to that. So they're reacting to themselves as opposed to the, uh, uh, to the actual thing. So that's, that's why I enjoy teaching that as opposed to, uh, uh, I don't know, I, I've only really done uh, both beginner improv where i'm not really focused on pe people i don't care if they're playing wacky things and then be <laughs> that's it <laughs> sorry uh teaching wise you've, you've you you typically will teach earlier beginner improv or viewpoints is that what you're saying yeah like for the more developed thing i prefer to teach something that it's a bit more comprehensive as opposed to all the kind of jumbled language of the normal improv pedagogy <laughs> Yeah, I, I honestly like it, it gets kind of there. I think there's only so many ways to introduce people to improv um, and like a handful of uh, types of exercises or, or even specific exercises that that help get people into like give and take and um, group work and and uh, basic acting as improvisers. But I, I, I agree. I like like once you get past that. Go ahead. Bob. Well, James, I've been told you only have to give them the hard notes. And then that that fixes everything. I've ever came up with that concept. I the hard notes. Uh, Oliver, have you ever been ever been asked for like, oh, can you just give me the hard notes? Um, I've been told by people that they can take it. So it's like, hey, if uh, you have any hard, you know, 
uh, I can take it. So, you know, feel free. I like that. I like that when I'm, but it's like, that's, I'll, I'll, I, I tend to do the same with most people kind of thing. If I see that anybody's like super uncomfortable with uh, being criticized, then right. I'll lay off a little bit kind of thing. But I mean, you're going to get the same thing for me because I'm, again, it's such a, it's such a concrete and straightforward kind of uh, method of teaching <laughs> um, no, that it, no. it doesn't like, really require a whole note. <laughs> no, the, the whole concept is there are notes and then there are, they're the magical hard notes that will solve all your improv problems. Yeah. Is what I was commenting on like, like, like you're keeping it a secret. I gave you six really good notes that if you just focus on any one of those, it'd be amazing. This magical hard note that I keep in my safe. I, I don't know when I'm going to give that to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And maybe that's just them wanting to get the most out of their money. Right. They're like, Hey, I just paid, uh, I just paid a hundred dollars for this eight week course. And it seems a little bit high for your time. Uh, but, um, but I had better be like 10 times better by the time I get out of here. So hard notes or nothing. Yeah. yeah. That's not the way that it works. Uh, generally the ones who say that they can take it and they want the hard notes, uh, they're the ones who are the least willing to actually open up and learn because if they aren't listening to the notes they're getting, right. Yeah. What are you, you going to do? People people who want those hard notes, I, I, I would agree, are probably um, thinking that it's simpler than it is, right? That's really what it is. There, there's impatience or trying to... Or already have it, and they just want you to agree that they do. And that's yeah, the hard... You got it going on. Yeah, <laughs> more of that crazy cop character. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, uh, Oliver you know talking about the different types of truth uh e even in like different performing styles um you know because like clown um is more directly connected with the audience and, and it's about connection uh, and being open and uh, connected to the people that you're performing for um whereas in improv we have some uh uh even if it's a, a fragile fourth wall it's still a fourth wall um and i'm wondering like you you mentioned like the truth in the room and the experience of what people are the audience is feeling and, th and thinking and how it matches up with the uh, performers like how how do you latch on to that connection and that that sense of what's true to everybody in the room as an improviser if you do have that um fourth wall more up you know uh I personally, I think that the fourth wall energetically is useless. In live performance, it's useless. Uh, you can, you know, you don't obviously have to pretend that there's always people watching you in every single scene you're in, but you as the actor always need to be aware that there are people there in the room with you. And so even if your character is, you know, straightforward talking to this person, you, the actor, need to be uh, reacting to everything that is there. Um, and so I would say that if you want to get better at that, uh, hosting shows is amazing for that, especially like game-based uh, game shows, because you are consistently uh, ramping up energy. You are uh, talking to the audience and kind of like making them feel comfortable. Um, uh, Stand-up is good for that. Um, 
you know, dealing with hecklers is uh, the number one <laughs> uh, way to do that. Clown, of course, because uh, it's all audience based. But um, yeah, I'd say that I, I have a, a finicky relationship with the fourth wall because I understand very much so that what is happening here is happening here. But if somebody, if there's a huge reaction to something uh, that you said, then that's going to be something that you bring back. And if you put up that kind of uh, um, emotional and uh, energetic fourth wall, you're not going to feel all that. <clears throat> and again, that's something that I feel like just comes with practice and uh, a lot of hosting. <laughs> yeah, because you can't prioritize it either, right? You, you can't you can't put too much emphasis on it. Um, so it is it's helpful for earlier improvisers to work to, to learn to worry about it or think about it less because it's usually like very distracting or, or often distracting for people to like think about or cater to the audience. Um, but uh, even if you even if you're told to kind of like get rid of that awareness, eventually you do want to reintroduce it. Um, at least that's I, I totally agree with what you said. Energetically, the fourth wall is useless um, at, you know, at the end of the day, in my mind, too. What about for you, Bob? No, I agree. I agree, because I, I do like those moments when we go into the audience and it just used. I, I love using the whole theater. I don't think a carpenter should tell you where your where your scene starts or end. So at the stage, is this a platform where we start? But I, I'm all about going all, you know, all over the place. Um, and uh, a carpenter, a carpenter shouldn't tell you where your scene starts and ends. That's wow. Great. Yeah. I just thought of that. You're welcome. Yeah, no, because then someone would think I'm talking about Jesus and I'll get in trouble. <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy, anti Jesus, wow. and the scene what is, is like, oh my god, um, <laughs> yeah, um. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe while we have the, uh, uh, just a few minutes left to talk. Um, yeah. What about, uh, like, uh, different audiences, you know, whether it's between Toronto and LA or, uh, you know, stage to stage, like the truth that some, like a, like a different politically minded or socially minded audience will feel, yeah. you know, uh, what kind of experience have you had with that, Oliver? You know, either either pre obviously pre pandemic uh, or like in election years like twenty sixteen or uh, during like uh, tumultuous social events. Um, how does it change the tone of the room and uh, how you can play into it or not? I feel like um, you can present ideas that are out there and and topics that are out there you can present it in a way that your character either genuinely believes it or doesn't and the audience will have their own opinion of it now where that scene goes like where uh that's up to the scene but to to simply present those ideas i don't think uh, well, sometimes, sometimes there's an audience that is a little more uptight about certain issues. Um, but you just have to take that L. I think if you're, if, if you're, uh, if you're experimenting with a new audience kind of thing and you put something out there and it doesn't work, 
it's like, great. Well, hopefully you're playing with, uh, you know, hopefully this Toronto boy is playing with other Detroit improvisers who can, who can, you know, guide this scene now into something that Detroit audiences are a little bit more comfortable with. And then I'll just follow that lead. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, I feel like there's not really a hard and fast. Um, it does definitely vary by city. I feel like, uh, and again, in LA, I've done mostly only the clown and idiot stuff more so than improv, but you know, they like, they like those hard truths. Uh, Toronto likes when, uh, you kind of, you do that, but you make sure that it's funny. You got to make sure that it's funny in Toronto or else you're going to lose an audience. Uh, Detroit, uh, Sometimes when it comes to the, like, I feel like Detroit's a little bit more kind of split down the middle in terms of uh, sensibilities. Uh, mm, so that's fair. Yeah. Oh, so I've brought up stuff that like went over super well in Toronto because everyone agrees with me. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I go comedy, I'd have like half the audience be with me and half the audience be like, where's he going with yep. this? <laughs> you know? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so you just got to, you just got to follow me. Oh, because I, yeah. I completely agree with Oliver when it comes to Detroit. We the house can be really different night from night, or even eight o'clock and ten o'clock audience can, can be really different minded. So I kind of like um, how uh, Larry David does on Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's something in the zeitgeist that you know because we you know, like usually when we do a showdown, we get slips and people write down a bunch of suggestion. There's something in the zeitgeist. I like to play with it, but in a way that it really doesn't really talk about it. Like the, the thing that's whatever it is, but use it in a different way. For example, uh, in the last Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, he, Larry David had this really great bit. You know, his character doesn't like being around people. He doesn't like being bothered. And he found out if you wore one of those mega hats, like people just avoid you. So even though that's not his political views, he was just wearing the hat and we're just watching people run away. Like it got him out of like lunch dates and, you know, all this other stuff. And like to him, it was like, I found gold. I don't agree with what the hat says, but this hat has value. And that was really interesting to me. And I think no matter what you, where you are politically, you can find humor in that because there is truth in that. So I, yeah. I like using it, like using that kind of stuff in a, in a unique way, a unique to a different character that I created. I think that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's probably one of the trickier things to do is find that, that, right. um, uh, that nuance where, yeah, I, th that hat example is great. Is that like, no matter what you think about the hat and the message on right. it, uh, the fact that it that it, it that it is so controversial that it could act as a social repellent <laughs> is yeah. something I think we can all agree on, and and uh, and, and it have to do in 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 an improvised setting, but still building those sensibilities and finding things that are true regardless of your uh, agreement or stance on something is is uh, really valuable and um, I'll say advanced. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I think yeah, it because that's. That's framing. It's like you know, you know the character, right. you know his intent, and then so when he's wearing the MAGA hat, you know what's up. If you just were to walk in there and see Larry David in a MAGA hat, you'd be like, oh no, what's it? what Larry David too? Uh, but um, <laughs> but you have the frame in there, you you have that initial, right. you know, you have the scene start, um, or you have uh, the point of view of the character that can then be taken however they the audience wants it kind of thing. But the people who know what you're talking about and like agree with you they're like ah, mm -hmm. ha, ha. and the people who don't they're like 
what? And they're like, I, I don't know. I've I've had that before where it's like I framed I I framed arguments in a way that the people who didn't agree with me were also on board with the scene, but maybe didn't. I don't know. I don't know what they walked away thinking, but hopefully right. it was like, should I question that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, right? I, I, framing as a device uh, is very important for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time, uh, so before we let you go, Oliver, uh, first of all, thank you for joining. Yeah, but thank you. Um, and can you tell us about uh, some of the stuff that you're doing in the virtual space that ways that people can check you out? Yes. Um, well, the the number one thing that I'm doing now uh, most often is called Sinking Ships. It is an Instagram live, no, not an Instagram live, an Instagram stories uh, weekly show. Uh, me and my buddy, Miles McGee, we uh, choose a different song every week and put it up. Uh, put up our music video, our uh, music video where we have to be on screen lip syncing the entire time, uh, just a minute long. Uh, we put it up uh, every Friday at 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 p.m. Eastern. And voting is open as long as the story is open, so 24 hours. And uh, I'd love you to check it out. You vote on. You vote on. Uh, so it's the stories, and so there's usually four panels for a minute, and then. Uh, four panels for the next video. And then after that, uh, there's a little uh, vote sticker and it says Oliver or Miles who won. And then you get to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. really cool. Uh, battle between you're, you're not, you're not, you're not doing the same video you're, you're presenting. Uh, you're going head to head for who had a better video. Yes. It's a, yeah. it's a lip sync competition. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry. I missed, I missed the competition word, but I, um, I might. <laughs> but uh, we got clarity. <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead. We discovered the podcasts. truth. <laughs> oh. Another couple of podcasts that I've been on uh, recently, Real True Facts. Uh, it's a podcast where it's basically like Dr. Know-It-All, except uh, two people are interviewing one comedian uh, as, a, as an expert. I did Angels and Demons. Uh, the conclusion of that is that angels are capitalists. Uh, oh. so it's a fun uh, one to watch, uh, real true facts. And the other one I just did was the pen is mightier. I think it's called, and it's a fan fiction, an old fan fiction live show from Toronto, but he decided to put that into a podcast. And, uh, I just did, um, my property was settlers of Catan. So if you want some settlers of Catan, erotic comedic, uh, fan fiction, and we, uh, all, do the pen is we all do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one more time with the name of, of that one. Uh, the pen is mightier, I believe. Awesome. Okay. We'll make sure that we add, um, all that stuff to the, uh, description once we're done here. Right. Um, but again, thanks so much for joining. Uh, it's yeah, very man. good to see you. Glad you're doing well. Um, and we had a great time chatting with you. Yeah. Lovely to see you both as well. Thanks so much. And thanks to Heather for chiming in with, uh, yes. comments here. Uh, Always appreciated. Yeah. Bob, do we have any updates? I feel like we always leave this without doing updates on on improv FAQ stuff. <laughs> we are all caught up as far as as far as uh, the what's called the podcast. We're all caught yeah. up. So Sweet. I mean, it's, you can always see the newest stuff on, on our YouTube channel and our Facebook. But as soon as every all the audio stuff is buffered and processed, it's uh, we load it now. It's, it's nice. Sweet. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I the last thing Technology. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is done buffering. Once, uh, you know, once we, we put it on the cassette tape, I send it out to the producers and uh, <laughs> yeah. it gets done. Um, uh, and also there are a few new, uh, lecture episodes, um, on, on topics like game of the scene and yes. And, um, available on, I, I think those are actually should be, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I, 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 sh I should, I should make sure I know the details before I start talking about it, but they're definitely on YouTube. Those new, yeah. um, uh, lecture episodes. I'm 90% sure they're on, uh, Facebook and I'm, 80% sure they're on Instagram. Uh, so check for them. And if you can't find them anywhere, just know that YouTube is your sure shot uh, place to find them. Um, okay. Thanks again for a great conversation and for uh, tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Improv FAQ at length. Bye. Bye.